too many Tic Tacs in the town. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 3.38 starting time. Please welcome from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Matthew Wiley. Play away, please. Golflandia 186, Masters 2021. It's only been since November that we had our last Masters, but this one's going to be much, much different. This week, of course, thank you, Chris Durrell, Jagerbombs underscore eight on Twitter, I believe. DraftKings contest is up. $5 entry, single entry. Guaranteed prizes, no rake. Except for you ding-dongs. Like you foodies. The thing that impressed me most about Dustin Johnson, I, I could, I didn't think I could respect him more until I saw his menu for the Champions Dinner tonight, being Tuesday. Meat, potatoes, salad, pie. An all-American meal. No fancy ding-dongedness. I'm not a foodie. If someone serves me tomato soup in that in that champions dinner, I'm walking out to the practice range. It's just it's just who I am. So everyone wants to eat fries and a chicken sando. Why fancy it up? He did it right. Steak, potatoes, pie. Get the fuck out. You don't like it? You don't like it, Danny Willett? There's the double doors. That's all you need to know. Lock Guru said, Filet mignon is French, miso is Japanese, Caesar salad originated in Mexico by an Italian, and apple pies from the UK. Not all American. That guy's blocked. Also, Green Square Golf. The Bible this week for me. Not because I own the company with Mike Miller, however. Course history, form, lead-in form to the Masters. Masters requirements in terms of champions, most in this century have what? Top 10 in the previous Masters, have not had a cut in his last four, in their last four starts. In their last nine starts, they've won or had two top 10s. That eliminates a lot of people. Sadly, sadly, it did not eliminate one person, Paul Casey, <laughs> who I want to eliminate because he is the chalk killer. You get smoked by him every year. It's an annual, unlike any tradition ever for the Masters. But previous top 10 in the Masters, no missed cuts, last four starts, win and or two top 10s in previous nine starts, Nine guys, DJ, Spieth, Ron Berger, M, Casey, Palmer, Connors, Fitz. And I said Casey twice. And further, if you filter it down to, did they win the Omega Dubai? That's one guy. 
Paul Casey. For a while there, the Omega Dubai predicted Masters winners or success. Sergio Willett. And then you had Lee Outong or Outong Lee and Rory. But Green Square Golf, I spun it back. Course history, form, lead-in form, master's form, course form. It's predictive for you. It's helpful for you in your tool set this week. Uh, I'm not going to be long in the intro. I'm going to have... I was banned for a day. That's why this podcast is late. I was banned for a day because I got a big letter from an attorney in New York because evidently you shouldn't use the weekend song in your podcast without paying for it. Lesson learned. Yeah. So we deleted that podcast. Not like anyone cares. It was from a while ago. So we had a little bit of a ban going on for a couple minutes. Uh, but we're going to redo the November segment with Ray Floyd Jr. going through hole by hole of the course. Sort of an ASMR of Augusta for those of you who have not been. And who have been. Now the course is going to play. Ray's not doing his blog this year. I understand it. It's too much work. It doesn't pay him enough. He's out. As of right now. I do not blame him at all. But the course is going to be a lot different than it has been over the years. In that it's firm and fast. At least as of Tuesday. According to every golfer. In their interviews. When Phil talked today, he said the courses play the greens have played soft for ten years, and that that allows players to take risks with their approaches that they normally would not, and so you can just fire into greens and not worry about the consequences. And he, I mean, let's be clear: the last time Phil won was eleven years ago. So did he just disparage the last ten winners? I don't know. But he said this year, I mean, the the context was that this year is different in that you have to take proper lines. You have to be more strategic. It plays the game like he plays. Hands, finesse, experience, uh, knowing where to place the ball and what shelf of the green and where not to go. Can't take too much risk, which I like. Now, do I want plus one Zach Johnson year? Not necessarily. But minus 20, not so great either. Probably less great. It's a major. Let's make it tough. And I think at least at this point, it appears to be going that way, which is great because then you get the best of the best. And so that anything in your, in your, in your window of comparison to November, it's a completely different course. Completely. I think they were lifting clean in place in November. Mud balls aplenty. Soft central. Length of a course doesn't matter to these guys. Make the greens firm at Augusta. I mean, there's already enough slope to them. There's no flat lies at Augusta. These things are run at 20 stimp. Most importantly, as Ray and I have talked about in, in, in our years together on this podcast... Um, other than everything you need to know, other than everything you have to have to play well here, it's about how you play the course. As Phil and Tiger have said, it's knowing where to miss. It's playing to the green, not to the flag stick. It's, it's largely conservative golf. 
with bold shot making. As I said, see Cam Smith last year, hole four, round, hole nine, round four, uh, uh, 2020, November 2020. And then knowing about the swirling winds, which are hidden often. The spin, the ball flight, especially on 12. Why do so many people rinse it there? Why does Tiger not? Experience factor, the variance in the players that you see succeed here, even at at this age. You see DJ win, you see Bernard Longer basically top 20. How does that work? I thought it was a long course. The most important thing is that it takes guts. That's what it takes. There's a lot of ghosts here. There's a lot of desire to be at that champion's dinner. Uh, You feel the years ticking on like a Justin Rose or Paul Casey. Is the door closing? Justin Thomas, when are you going to get here? Right, he's 28 now. He's plenty of time. Rory, they all want the jacket. Look at the euphoria when Adam Scott won in the rain when he's put on his green jacket. It's cemented in history. You're at that dinner forever. You're at that dinner eating pie and steak with Dustin Johnson forever. Not on Hell Caprera. So we're going to talk to we're going to talk to Ray. This is a repeat of November, so I, I, I we apologize if some of it has 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 course set up for that time. I don't believe it does, but if it does, it's you know a softer November, way different. Uh, and then after that, we'll do Ryan uh, circling the drain and me, and then that's it. So enjoy the Masters. So this, so what I wanted to do with the course is that you were lucky, you were you were kind enough to invite me last year, which is the experience of my lifetime, and it just happened to be the week that Tiger Woods won, two thousand nineteen. Feels like ten years ago. More. When. What I wanted to give, and I know a lot of people who listen to this have been there, but the people who don't, I wanted to give sort of a idea of of how the course looks, feels in terms of the actual geography of it, which which yeah, may be which maybe you can't pick up on television, which may help people design a player that fits it more suitably. So when you first, what, what my experience here is, and I'll and I'll let you I'll let you opine, but it, it, just the sheer vastness of the area. I mean, first of all, getting to the parking lot, getting the the, the shuttle, walking to the to the gate. I mean, that is a two hour excursion in itself. It is a I I can't describe. It's like a it's a theme park. It's like something that is designed by God on this piece of land that's so vast. It's a mountain. It's a mountain, and there's 40,000, 50,000 people there. There's none this year. But just the sheer size of it, people say, well, you know, it's, it's, it's a long golf course. But that's the, the thing is the space, the, 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 the size, the space, the, the elevation changes, the, the space between holes is just so you don't pick it up on camera the the athleticism and legs that you and your caddy have to have for four days grinding this out plus adrenaline is just bananas. Because even as a spectator or a patron, you're exhausted or drunk. Look, I mean, I'll tell you this right now. Um, and what's amazing about all of what you just said is true. And it's right smack dab in the middle of Augusta, Georgia. Think Wrigley Field of golf. 
second mm-hmm. you go out of any gate, you know, you walk and, and go get Chick-fil-A or Cooters. Um, so it's amazing. Now they have annexed so much property over the course of time and they've made it into essentially, like you said, very well, a theme park. But what I say to everybody who, and, and what everybody says to me who has never been and they go for the first time and we're there, like, I can't believe how hilly this is. I mean, I know 10 was downhill, but and 18's uphill, but you could ski it. It's a blue, it's a blue square oh. ski hill. Yeah, it's blue square. It's blue square. I mean, and it's, I mean, I would, yeah, I mean, I would say if, yeah, blue squares, all, I mean, you know, the hill, look, just walking up number one. I mean, it's a yeah. perfect example. I mean, granted, it's a dip. The players kind of hit over the downhill and the uphill part, but, you know, let's, and then. Let's start there then. Let's talk about T. Olive Park, the, fir- the first hole, uh, 440-ish yard par five, par four. Um, yeah. So you can play it two ways. You can you can, you can can drive past the bunker on, on the right, but you're right. There's a swale in the middle, and most people land on the upslope, right? Most people that aren't hitting it with where like the top 10 guys in the field, especially this week with the weather, they're not going to be, they're going to be landing it into the upslope and the ball's not going to be rolling. And that's going to leave a very long shot. Look, if number one was any other golf hole on that golf course, I think especially it was on the back nine. I mean, it'd be considered, you know, it always plays in the top four or five most difficult holes out there. Just mm-hmm. think it gets no credit because it's the first hole. But um, and look, you're and dead right. Might, yeah, and number one might be the trickiest green on that golf course. Um, they have some really, really difficult pins they can put on there. Um, I think number one, you know, it, it's a, it's an important hole. I mean, look, if you mess up number one right out of the gate, it can change your mindset. You know, if you get through there with a par, we can go right into number two, which we talked about earlier about the par fives. You know, the one thing, not the one thing, one of many things I love about Augusta is every par five is reachable for most players. And a lot of these golf courses now, whether it's majors or, you know, a regular weekly event, you know, there's three shot holes for 95% of the field. And I get it. I get that there is an art, you know, hitting a layup to a yardage and, you know, putting a wedge in there tight. But, you know, I think that what's unique about Augusta is there are eagle holes out there and all, I mean, number eight may be the most difficult, but still reachable. And there are eagles there every year, but two, 13 and 15 are, you know, you can make eagles there. And so, uh, so pink dog with number two, pink dog with number two, five seventy five. Uh, another slope downhill, probably more of a green triangle. Um, yeah, the, sec- the second uh, shot on two is – it's one of the prettier views looking down at the second green. You can see the seventh green right over there, the eighth tee, the 17th green. Um, it, it is, it's a beautiful approach up, but again, it's downhill. Um, longer guys can carry it where it starts to go downhill and it makes them even longer to guys that are landing up top because they're getting additional rollout. Um, the, the tricky thing about that approach shot is you are hitting off a fairly severe downslope. If you, if you, if you get it past that bunker on the right in the fairway, 
Um, yes. Very cool green. We've seen the Ustazen shot and a lot of other shots of that front right pin where you could throw it in the middle and let the slope take it over there to the right. Some tricky pins on that green other than that one uh, that they use. The back middle one is a little tricky because it's on a little shelf. And then, you know, the, the left side over tucked on that bunker, it's hard to get it close to there. You'll see a lot of guys in that front left bunker on purpose because that's kind of an easy up and down. You're going back uphill a little bit. So the, the fans are feeding, if you start from one to two, they're feeding on the right side. You're dead yeah, on the right. You're dead on the right if you if you if you hit it right on number one. That's why everyone sort of like you know started push the ball left a little bit because that's where the fans are. The trees are. You're dead. Um, yeah, you have you have a fighter's chance if you pull it on on number one off the tee yep. to get something. If you go right into that deep bunker or even right of that on number one, you're dead. Um, yeah, you're you're gonna chip out. You gotta make a heck of a par uh, on two. You'll see guys miss it right. Cause that's safe. My dad used to say that if you hit it left on two, there's a Delta ticket booth down there because you could just get your ticket to go home on Friday afternoon. Because <laughs> you were making a, uh, you're making a big number. What you don't realize. And again, something on number two is if you do hit one left there and it gets on that pine straw, the ball will just keep rolling and rolling. And eventually it'll either go into a bush or a Creek that's down there. And even if you find it, in a bush or you get it, you know, it's in the Creek and you take relief or you take your penalty for the hazard. You now are just facing a wall of pines just to get it out to the fairway. And number um, two green is one you don't see fans or patrons surrounding because you're funneling the fans over to the three green in between two, three and four T, which people don't see on television talking about the spacing in Augusta. There's a whole village. There's a whole restaurant a food village, bathrooms in between two, three, and four that has impeccable cuisine before well, you get to 14. To the right of number two and to the right of number four, there's a gigantic concession area in there that is, uh, you know, it's hidden into, into the pines. And then also to the left of number three and to the left of number four. Now, number four, they don't let spectators, uh, number three, they don't let spectators up the left side from about 100 yards on. So that's why you'll see, you know, if you've seen some footage in the past in number three, if the camera, you know, if that pins on the front left, you don't see anybody. It's because there's no fans there. But back behind there, there's another concession area. Same thing with four uh, is three and down four. You have to walk around the back of the tee on the right side of number four, walk down the hill and then cross over to the left because they don't let any people up the right side of four. So the flow of it, if you're a fan, is you come down the right side of number two. My trick used to be to stand up on the hill about 100 yards out, and you could still see that green great over the fans and get a good vantage point. And then you were popped right there on number three, primed for the, to watch the drive on three and then get out ahead you know, to the three green and then walk around the right side of four to cross over so you didn't get stuck. Because as you know, and you saw last year, if you're watching a group and you get stuck and all of a sudden you got to wait to cross over and get over there, I mean, you might not catch them for a couple holes. So Flowering Peach the third is yeah. 350 yard par four. And people believe that Bryson's just going to drive the green. Now, people either take a four iron or less or driver but the thing is, it's 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 the, the you're not going to just land shots three feet to the pin at this course. So if you go long on three, it's trouble. 
And big trouble. Big trouble. In fact, most every hole in this course, if you go long, you're in big trouble. And so this is a strategy hole. Um, It's short, but it's tough, right? Yeah, I think think it always plays somewhat easier. You know, one of the easier holes on the course. But with that being said, I've seen a lot of mistakes in my life on that hole. And, you know, if you want to get back to Bryson a little bit, um, putting aside, I think if you said there was a weakness in his game, it's kind of the chipping and the pitching and the awkward wedge length shots. Um, you know, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I would say that's so again, all right. I, I saw this tweet from somebody that, you know, he played a practice round with Sandy Lyle and Sandy Lyle reported yeah. back what he was hitting. And he said he hit a three wood over the third grade. Yeah. Bryson. I call bullshit on that right now. Because I just don't, I just don't see it. But maybe it happened. So he but hit three seventy. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's say he hits a three seventy three wood, right? And okay. let's say he doesn't put it on that green. And what you don't, and you went back and you asked me earlier, some of the stuff you don't notice on TV. If you miss, if you hit a good shot going for that green into off the tee, yes. And you pull it, and you're still down there in the fairway. It is a good. 15 feet of slope that you have to go up. So if that pins front left and you hit a driver and you have this chip from down there off that tight Augusta grass going up there, it is, I would 1000% rather have a 120 yard shot than a 15 yard pitch from down there. So you got to realize like, Oh, you know, um, Bryson's going to just, you know, he's going to make this course obsolete. All right. Yeah. All right. If he hits a three wood on a frozen rope and gets it the exact distance and has a 20 footer for Bert for Eagle. Okay. Mm-hmm. But like, that's not the easiest thing to do. The elevation. Not- no, the elevation changes. I'm thinking about seven and 10 and even one is that the, the elevation changes of the greens are just, you can't visualize it on camera but it, it's just so it's it's bananas. Like what, Brooks in final round last in 2019 hit a 330 drive on one, and Webb and Finau were both tree fucked, and they all parred the hole. I mean, it just it just the approach shots. I don't care the distance, but the elevation oh. of the greens. I mean, it's just it's you're you're on a mountain. You're never really getting ever a even flat lie. <laughs> No, and, and, and that's what makes it tricky. And that's why, look, that's why there's a premium, you know, on good iron play around Augusta. You know, I always talk about long, but like, you know, we talked about it, you know, pre-show today. Like a lot of guys that aren't really long have had a lot of success there throughout the years. You know, you to- Zach Johnson, Trevor Edelman, yep. these guys, but they all – we're incredible wedge players. And hands, hands, great, hands. Great touch, 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 feel, feel. Yeah. But, like, you, you make a great point. Like, these greens, like, even over the back of number five, someplace you probably never see on TV unless someone hits it back there. But if you, you go touched. long off the – yeah, you if you fly it long, it hits a downslope that's a good 10 feet and it goes into the Magnolias. I got a great You're story in the back nine with Cantlay about the same story. Um, look at number four. I think four – I think four or five are the two, at least for me, if I was playing myself, are the two toughest holes in the course. 
The Forget, par- hey, how about how about four, five, and six? That stretch it gets no credit. I mean, it's, six. It's, talk I about four for a second. Two hundred forty yard par three uh, on a very oddly shaped green with with pin positions that are crazy. Again, it's a swale. It's up and down. Yep. Tough hole. Look, four. They can play it at two forty. They use the up tee one day where guys are hitting the six or seven in. Mm-hmm. as well and that's when you'll see the pin tucked over the bunker on the right um again you know i think the weather will have a factor i don't know if you saw the the clip of rom's hole in one i didn't see it actually go in but i saw somebody's instagram where um he was getting the ball out of the hole and it looked like that his ball mark was behind was uh, you know behind the hole which means the ball hit it stopped right away unless it went up the slope and came back in. Obviously, I didn't see it. But it was a pretty defined ball mark. And even if he was playing that from the up tee with a – let's call it a 7-iron, it was a pretty big ball mark. And I know they had the sub air and everything like that. So that, that can make a big difference. But number four, my dad always – that stretch of four, five, six is extremely difficult. And four from that 240 tee is – Nuts. It's a, it's a par three and a half. Five, Magnolia, they've lengthened it. You really need some camping equipment to even walk it now, let alone play it four days in a row. But Magnolia is such a beast. Walking up the left side of number five, I think Uh, that's probably where I'm the most winded outside of walking the entire 18th hole because it's at the end of the day and that's straight uphill as well. But, you know, early in the round, yeah. Early, yeah, exactly. Early in the round, you know, on number five, your legs are feeling fresh. You get to the top of number five, and you're like, "Holy shit! Shit! What did I just do? I needed a sherpa to get up here." Yes. Um, but you know, that, that's the thing. Back to your original question: the elevation of the golf course and the ups and the downs, and maybe it doesn't come into play. Like we talked about, one, you walk straight downhill off that tee, and then straight up that hill. Straight up, number. Number four, you do the same thing. Number five, you do the same thing. Number um, six, probably you, the biggest elevation change, the par three down here, Juniper. Down, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and and that's a you know they can put that pin over there left where you can use the slope of the green to get it close. But when that pins up on that shelf on the right, that's a whole different ball game up there. That makes that hole I would say play easily a half shot harder. And Long. they have it up there normally two two days. They have that dead. left pin. Yeah. So um, I, I think that that's the thing. And you make a good point about if you miss number six short, that ball rolls back down a good 15 yards. You know, you miss number five, you know, the false front on five. If yep. you miss four short left, if the pin's in the front left, it rolls all the way back down off that green. And you don't see that on TV, especially on the front nine, where you don't have quite the coverage you do on the back. And five green is is actually very is much smaller than it appears. Um, five, I think, is a, is the just the toughest hole for me at least on the course. And then you get to six with that downhill par three, but also the T on six is what you don't see is you're in the you're in the belly of Augusta at that point because you can see sixteen green, seventeen T, seven T, sixteen green. Sorry, fifteen green. Yeah, you, you can see a lot from up there. You're Wrong probably the, 
Yeah, probably the highest point on the golf course. But, you know, Dad always said you're also shooting out of a, a thicket of pines out there and you're downhill. And if the wind gets moving out there yes. on that hole, he always said it was hard to hit the right club there. You've heard the stories about, you know, the wind swirling at number 12. But number six, you're coming out of shooting, so you don't really feel the wind. So, you know, even though you know it's there, it's hard for yourself to commit to a shot. You know, and know that the wind's going to move it. Plus, balls in the air for so long because you're going so downhill. You know, these are all things that factor in. And, and uh, you know, it, it makes that hole a lot harder than looking at a 180-yard downhill par three. And then seven, Pampas, like, I would say seven and probably 14 are holes you don't get here or talked about a lot. But seven, Pampas, par four, 450. I think it's one of the toughest greens on the course. Not only is it one of those downhill, then uphill, it's it's a elevated green, but I think it's one of the most narrowest on the course and just absolutely uh, protected by a million bunkers. I think it's extremely one of the toughest holes in the course because, again, long here, into the crowd, you're dead. Dead. Well, seven used to always be a birdie hole as technology, you know, you know, in the early 90s, you know, you hit driver and guys could hit pitching wedge, sand wedge, control their spin. uh, And it would make it, you know, especially to those front pins, you could get it close. And some of the longer guys still can do it. But the problem with number seven is if you're out of position off the tee. If you're out of position off the tee and you're in that first cut and you can't get it on the green or you can't control your spin and you miss long, that green it's probably the most one of the most severe that is back to front. Yes. And you know, your miss there, if you're out of position off key, has to be in one of those front bunkers. Maybe you get it up and down, maybe you don't. But if you go long there, just about Bye. any pin, you have to be, you know, there's a you gotta get really lucky or hit an absolute perfect shot to just even have a look at par. Isn't there a there's a, there's a village, too, off of Seven Green. You told me to meet uh-huh. you there. So my favorite spot to tell people to meet is behind the Seventh Green because, right. as we talked about a little bit, number six, behind the Seventh Green, if you sit there and you watch the golf, if you're not interested yes. in watching one player and see groups, you have the second green right there to the right, if you're behind the Seventh Green, and looking down the hole, obviously. You have the second green to the right. You have – the 17th to your left, right there. The 17th and 7th, are, there's only 15 yards between them. You have the 8th tee right there as well. And then right on the other side of the 8th tee, you have a huge concession area, little uh, you know, merchandise place. And if something goes bad with the weather, you're a quick walk to the gates over uh, you know, on that side of the course. So you can get out of there pretty quick if they do an evacuation. So it's always one of my favorite places and the back of seven, not where the players would ever hit it, but it's, it's um, kind of a, you know, built in amphitheater. So even if it's crowded, you can always see, you know, you don't have to fight the crowds unless you get, you know, unless it gets 20 deep, but even if there's just a bunch of people, it's one of those things you could be, you know, seven, eight deep and you're higher than the guy in front of you. So it, it's a great vantage point, and you can get to Amen Corner quickly from there. 
Um, you can get to, you know, 18 green. Like I said, you can get food, some beers, whatever you need. It's, it's all kind of one-stop shopping. And that's why I always tell, and it's not a long walk from the gate where you come in, you know, by the first hole over there either. So it's a pretty convenient place to meet. Eighth, eighth, eighth tee in the eighth hole, yellow jasmine par five, five seventy, which I think is the toughest par five in the course. Correct. Is the place that where by the eighth hole you're gassed. Now you realize, holy crap, this is not your regular muni course to walk. Not only are you not playing for four days, but you're just walking it. You're either drunk or stupid or both. You can get completely <laughs> turned around and lost in this course. Uh, but the eighth hole, of the par five, is that most most players are playing a blind second shot, right? You can't see the green at all. You are no you are, every player. Uh, and I don't care how far Bryson hits it. He can't get – I mean, up that hill you, – you, first of all, it's an uphill team. Seven iron is what uh, Sandy Lyle said. Seven Even iron. if he hit a seven iron, it would be from the base no of the hill. So yeah. nobody, nobody is seeing that green hitting their second shot. No. Period. You know where it is. You know what you got to do. You know, you got to hit some sort of hook. Or if you're hitting a seven iron, you go kind of right at what your sight line is. Um, but – Nobody is seeing that green. The thing is, again, where I think these numbers might be a little bit inflated, the eighth hole, you just don't get a lot of roll there. You're hitting into a hill. Yep. It is uphill. It's just, you know what I mean? No. Green small. I just, it, it's bigger than you think it is. Cause it's just kind of sectional. It's like number five. You said that. It's an optical illusion. Five, you're like, God, I didn't think the green was that small, but it's not. It has all those runoffs. So the green itself is actually big. But the actual. got a lot of knuckles on it, though. Yes. And number eight is more kind of skinny and narrow and kind of bends around to the left a little bit. It's definitely a narrow green, but it's got some good size to it. But hitting a, let's put Bryson aside, hitting some sort of, you know, fairway metal or, or four iron into that green, I mean, you got to be pretty precise. And the miss out there is to the right, because if you miss left of those big mounds on eight, you're by to the right, you have a puncher's chance. And even if you're long, you're into the stands. Yeah. And long there is not completely dead because that green is one of the few that kind of, kind of runs away on the back. So you got a chance, but it's hard to go along on that green just because of the type of shot you're hitting in there. But the, the bail out there is to the right, which is part of the night fairway. And, you know, you might have a dicey little chip, but if the pin's in the right spot, it's not a bad place to miss. Carolina Cherry, hole nine, par four, par four, 460, the green. I mean, this is another one. I mean, you are down and up. Yeah, another- this one is, this one's interesting. I feel like this is one of the holes that with technology has is, is really become obsolete as far oh, as nice. being a hard hole because these guys now, like I said about, just, you know, Dustin earlier, you can just, they can just pound a driver and yep. it catches the hill and it gets down there by the crosswalk. Yes, you have an uphill shot where you can probably only see half the pit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's put it this way. My dad, when I caddy for him, um, he would, you know, obviously, you know, most of the time I caddy was over 50. So he wasn't hitting it near as long as any of these guys. He said, no matter where the pin is, I aim at the the left window of the Eisenhower cabin, which you mm-hmm. can see in the background there. That was the yeah. aiming point. So no matter where the pin was, 
I went down that crosswalk last year, and I think that uh, maybe Ustazen was coming up who hits the hell out of He hits a long ball, too, for a little guy. And his ball went down there by the crosswalk, and you couldn't even see the cabins. So it, it, that's how much hill you're talking and how much difference, how much difference there is between a guy who can get it all the way to the bottom where a guy like Zach Johnson is going to be 50 yards further back and 30 feet higher up, if that makes sense. And then, you know, it's more of a level shot from up there. But I'd much rather have an uphill shot with from 110 than, you know, a level shot from, you know, 180 into that move. And what we really haven't – I mean, if you've, if you've put it together based on what we've said is that these greens are running – pretty are running extremely fast and you've got these severe elevation changes you're hitting off the slope and so and there are knuckles on a lot of these greens and mounds and a lot of places you can't miss so then you start to factor why positioning off your second shot and where not to hit it knowing that you're not going to this isn't the 3m open you're not going to stick pins at the gusta three feet and so that is why approach and iron play is such a premium here because of the speed of the greens, the smallness, the elevations, the rigidity, the bumpiness of this course. Uh, it is very forgiving off the tee in terms of its space. There's largely no rough, but that that is what is the premium on this course. You go to number 10, like we talked about. So number 10 all of a sudden, you got a blue square like we talked about ski slope. I mean, you're basically making sure you don't fall on your face if you're drunk uh, by this time at number 10 because the elevation is so steep. Plus, the sub airs are pumping at this point, and the smell seems to really kick in here. 10 is another one that you don't ever see on TV. But if you miss the, the 10th green short, you got a 20-yard pitch back up there. And if you miss it short, that hey, means that pin's probably in the front and you're short side. Louie in the playoff with Bubba, right? Yeah, yeah. Remember he went exactly. le- left short, I think? Well, and and so did uh, Len Matisse in the playoff with Mike Weir. He went yeah. over and made double. I think Mike Weir won that 10th hole with a, with a five. Because even though it's a major downhill on number 10, then you've got that – Elevation up again with the green. I mean, 15, 20 feet, it's bananas. Yeah. And yeah, again, something you don't really see a lot on TV. And and if all the to crowd see- is behind to the right. All the traffic is back there. You go you go behind the green on that, that hole, <laughs> goodbye. Take your Delta flight home, like your dad would say. Yeah, Delta ticket booth down there, back there. Then you go to 11, Dogwood. Uh, long par four, downhill again. Um, then you're getting into amen corner here. But um, this is well, – go ahead. Well, yeah, no, I was going to say 11 is one of the flattest greens on the whole course. No real elevation change around it. But with the pond over there to the left and your bailout being to the right, it really doesn't need it. And that's some of the genius behind the design of Augusta. You know, you have a green that's somewhat benign, but you bail out to the right over there where Larry Mize hit it. I know it worked out great for him, but he can put 100 balls there. And I still think he would have hit 30 of them in the pond. 
and got the other 30 not on the green. But my point being that you don't really have a bailout there, you know, especially, you know, people go over there to the right. If you're just off the green, fine. But that that's the way that green runs toward that pond. So it's a good design. And 12 also is very flat. 12 is the flattest green out there. Very little break, very little right. undulation. But again, go long there, see what happens. And well, that's your bailout because you're scared to death of a uh, of Ray's Creek. Right. What people don't see on, on the Amen's Corner, too, is behind 12T with all those fans, you've got, a, like on, on 2, 3, 4, you've got this entire village, gigantic village, picnic tables, uh, you know, food, bathrooms. You could hold a Coldplay concert back there. You don't see and it. You know what else is back there they built that you would never know is there? They have a member's retreat, it's called. It's basically one of like the cabins that you see up by the clubhouse, you know, like yeah. the yeah. butler cabin and all those. There's one of those back there in the trees where it's members only. So they can so go what, down there. And it's right yeah, behind so the concessionary. They can go down there and camp out there and, you know, go watch some golf, you know, and make it a little easier on them and have a place they can go into that doesn't have lines and stuff like that. You don't even realize that's there. So one of the influential factors, obviously, with someone winning a major at Augusta is that the crowd noise is such an influence and an impact in terms of your psyche, but also in how you hit the ball. And you get all these people behind you. I mean, there's, I would say a quarter of the people are behind you on the 12T. And so when you're hitting that shot, just the noise is insane. But then you've got this, this 12 hole which is 155 yards-ish. And I heard Danny Willett talking about this, that he wishes it was longer because what people also don't factor is the wind. And so the shorter club, you get the spin and the wind, and it just it just stops the ball and puts it in Ray's Creek, right? Uh, and, and back there, yeah, and it's a weird little corner. I mean, they call it Amen Corner for a reason. It is the corner of the course. And the way it's designed with all those – pines that go up to the right of 13 and come down and then behind 12 and to the left of 11 and there's a hill back up it's augusta country club back behind the 12th green but that shoots right back up the same mountain that augusta national is on if you will and the wind gets really tricky i remember you know hogan used to always say i would never look at what the pin was doing on 12 i would always look at the pin on 11 yeah. and you get a more true of a read but it swirls back in there and it makes it tricky and you know there's not a lot of surface to hit that ball on everybody's why who's listening to this i would assume has watched their fair share of masters that green from front to back you know it's only a good i think it's 13 paces so just not a lot of room anywhere to hit it so if you do miss club obviously short if you're lucky and you're short you're in the bunker if you know you're not lucky you're in the water if you're long i mean what you don't realize on tv is if you're in long in one of those bunkers it's doable but if not there's a little swale there again with a hill and it leaves you a really tricky you know shot with a putter or a, a rescue or you know, maybe, maybe, you know, some of the better guys will, you know, try to nip a wedge, but it's just, there's just nowhere to go for a 150 yard hole. You better have your distance, right? But that's what, that's where the experience comes in because you look at last year, that's where Molinari had started to lose it um, on 12. And 
almost Tiger was on the green smiling as Molinari, you know, dumped it in the water. He well, knew. I saw Tiger. Yeah, I saw Tiger's press conference today. He got choked up a little bit about going through his round last year. He was like, "Look, I knew I was in it. I knew I was. You know, I had a chance. I was grinding. I was grinding." And he goes, and then the twelfth hole happened. Yep. All the guys that were in contention, they messed it up, and I made a solid par. And he, you know, he said, "You know, that's that's what turned it around for me." Thirteen Azalea par five, obviously a famous, uh, uh, famous hole in this course and in golf itself. It's 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 the only hole in the course, yes, that you cannot have spectators around the tee box. Um, so you're kind of on an island out there by yourself, uh, and it's it's you are so far away as a fan when you're in this area under this umbrella in Amen Corner, which I suggest if you ever get to go there, you just hang out there all day. But you are yeah. so far away. You think you think you're close to guys in the fairway on 13? Forget it. I mean, you need a bus ticket to get to them. Um, but this yeah, this is I, this is think about this from a player standpoint and a Bryson standpoint. You know, you talked about doing a high cut for lefties back in the day. Now they can just cut this whole thing off and hit wedge in, right? Well, they did move that tee back. They did buy some property from Augusta Country Club. So that hole, I want to say before Tiger came along, that 13 was, I don't know, 480 or something. I'm looking at this. I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong. This whole year has kind of got me a little bit backwards. But I think they put in a new tee last year. And I think that that tee is even further back. So I think it's going to be harder for some of these guys to go across that corner. And look, the TV angle in years past can be a little bit tricky. Looks like that ball is kind of flying, you know, right across the trees. But it, it's a birdie hole, obviously. But you have to put it in that fairway. If you miss left, you're making bogey at best. Sergio. You miss right up there, you still yeah, you still have a you know puncher's chance. Uh but if you can hit a good tee shot there, I mean it's a it's a par four. Dandy Lyle claims four. Bryson was three wood seven iron. I, I, I could see that. That's a lot more feasible than some of the other stuff I've read. Three okay. wood, like he can hit it three twenty, hooks it around there, maybe down the left side and he hits his irons, bananas long. I, I can see three wood seven iron there. For Bryson, if it was on the right wind, I I don't think you're going to see three wood seven iron come. What what is the danger zone on that green? Again, I mean, well, I mean, look, you don't want to miss short. You go down in a little creek, but sure. you know, where's your bailout? Now, yeah, you know what? I'm going to take one more club, and then what? You know, and again, we've talked about it. The back of the 13th green, there's probably four feet of straight downhill into a little gully before it goes uphill into those bunkers back there. So if you miss long and you're not in that bunk, in one of those bunkers, you have to negotiate four feet of uphill. And then when you get on the green, you're going straight downhill. Now, if the pins and toward the front, you know, you have plenty of green to work with to try to figure it out. But when they put that pin on the back left and the back right, which they do two days, and you decide, you know, I, I don't want to go short, you know, and you you get a little too aggressive, you know that's a extremely difficult up and down that you don't really see that little swale behind the green, and that's a subtle. I know we've talked a lot about some of the big elevations, but those are the, the you know some of the intricacies you don't see where 
you know, people on TV might be like, well, that was a terrible shot. But I mean, there's no, for me, there's no harder shot in the world than a putt where you have to go up a huge swale to get the speed correct. And, you know, most of the courses I'm playing, the greens aren't rolling at 14 either. So I've heard this year, I'm glad you mentioned that, is that the Bermuda is still poking through, or the Bermuda is poking through, the ball sitting down a bit, and the ball is not checking up on chips. You can't hit the same sort of around the green shots that guys are used to, and that could be a little bit of a defense for Augusta this year. Have you heard anything about that? Um, I, you're talking on the greens? Yeah, around the greens. I, oh, around the greens. Maybe. Yeah. I could buy that around the greens. On the greens, I would say no chance. Around the greens, yes, because Augusta is extremely – far south to have bent grass everywhere like it does or bent overseeded with rye because Bermuda, especially in the summer, is going to come through. Um, so I could see that 100% being the case around the greens. On the greens, under every green at Augusta National, along with the sub air, is they have coils that can heat or cool the green greens accordingly. Um, they run water through them, cold water, hot water, and then get them to the temperature they want. And they keep those things where it's perfect growing temperature for bent. That's how they can keep bent grass growing all year alive during the summer. And uh, it's a very cool technology. I only want to put a price tag on it because it's probably bananas. But um, I would think those greens are perfect bent. But I could see some Bermuda definitely poking through and that does change you know the contact with the ball or at least what you're used to as these guys are yes. in April. Yeah. Uh 14 Chinese fur you don't I think this is the 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 hole you see least on television but it's a lot like 7 and Chinese fur 440 yard par 4 uh pretty straight you know off the tee the green though the green I remember a story well, the story I wanted to tell was that I was following Cantley at this point, and he went long on 14 over the green, and I think it's a back-to-front slope. It's a very tough oh, yeah. green, very tough green. And his ball, because it, it hit a path, and it went literally 300 yards past the green. I mean, I think I've, I'll look back at the hole. I don't know what he got. He got up and down. It was an amazing up and down. Yeah, that, that that's crazy. If he's past the the patrons on fourteen, that's yeah. an incredible par. But that 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 is one where you know it's got that huge false front, and anything short runs all the way down and leaves yeah. yourself an impossible shot. It's a big back to front, left to right sloping green, and there's a couple swales in it that run um, you know perpendicular to the hole. And they have a couple pins where you can get it close. You know, I remember, you know, Phil pulled out there one year. It's a little kind of almost a punch bowl, if you will, if you get it in the right spot. But the front pin that they use there is extremely difficult, as is the, the, the back left pin. It's tough to get at, especially if you hit your drive a little left off that tee. Uh, only hole on the golf course without a hazard on it as well. Yeah. No bunkers, no water, nothing. Just grass. Nope. And then while you're trying to make par again on 14 green, you got the elevated T on 15 going downhill, par five, famous par five. Um, this is 
530 yard par five. It's it's I, you can't even describe it because everyone knows so much about it. But it's where you know, looking back at the '86 Masters, it's where Seve started to or well, he gave it away to Jack, uh, yeah. perfectly in the fairway, and then dumped it left. A lot I mean, can happen. I mean, I feel like this hole decides the winner just about every year in a close oh, Masters. Hundred percent. Sergio. Hit the pin nine <laughs> and Peter Costas wouldn't say that it hit the pin for whatever reason drove me crazy. Right. Um, but uh, well, we don't have to deal with him anymore, thank God. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, Sergio went on to make eagle there. Jack made eagle when he won in '86. Uh, you know, Norman when he collapsed against Faldo, remember that chip he hit? If that would have gone in, that would have been a little bit different. I mean, so much stuff has happened on that hole throughout the year. Saracen's double eagle in 35. The whole penalty situation with Tiger. I don't know if you remember that. Sergio took yep. what? 16? What was it? 16. Yeah, it was something like that. That's what I was talking about when he just kept going after it, rolling back in. Yeah, so it's you know, and again, your 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 bailout on your shot is long there, but man, is that it might you know a funny story. Do you want to be long? <laughs> my dad used to say back when the the green you know the greens used to be Bermuda back in the day. I don't know what year they changed them, but Dad said they were so hard and so firm, harder than you see them now. And the grass obviously is not manicured and perfectly green back in the day when Dad was playing. He's like, man, if you miss it long on on 15, uh, there were more balls in the pond long that guard 16 back there than there were short. He's like, believe it or not. So, you know, it just kind of shows you how the courses change over the course of the year. But, you know, I know when I caddied for dad, there were a handful of times when that pin was over there on the right. And he's like, I'm just going to try to hit some sort of cut up there. And if it goes straight, great. And if it doesn't, you know, if it cuts, I'm going to be in that bunker on the right. And that's the easiest up and down over there to that right side of that green. 16 red bud, obviously, is the most famous hole in the course. Um, what do you, do you, do you factor wind a lot in this hole? No, not really. I mean, unless it's howling, I don't think you, you know, 16 is the most famous hole in the course because the Sunday pin and the, the plethora of holes and ones that you see and right. and the gallery. Close. Yeah, and, it, you know, it's a great spot. Like you said, that's right there by six in the belly of the course. There's a million people around the green. Totally. But when they put, you know, when they put the pin on the front right and the back right, I like to call them dick pins because it is just a sliver of green to keep it up there. You don't see a lot of birdies, and you end up having that putt from down below when the ball feeds down when you see the hole once back up that hill, and it's very hard to judge. But when you have the pin on the left side, you know, you almost have to look at this as a birdie hole. You got to, you know, because you can hit it out there to the right. And if you pull it a little, it's still online. If you hit it straight, it catches a slope. If you block it a little, you know, you got a puncher's chance to make par. So um, 16, 16, when you walk down 15 fairway and you know you're coming to coming to 16 green, where all the famous shots you've seen on TV from, from being a kid have, have occurred, you, you literally – and I don't say this because I, I don't like to get hyperbolic about this stuff, but it takes – it does take your breath away and you do feel like you're not on on earth anymore. You do – it's like Field of Dreams walking through the cornfield. You don't yeah. – you it just does not feel human. Like you've walked into a space and time that is not of this earth anymore because all 
all of the images, the ghosts, the smells, the stories, you start you start visualizing it all. It's just crazy. Right at that right at that point, right at the, the 16th green. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you, you walk down, you know, the trick is to walk down the right side of 15. Yep. And you get there, and I think that view, when you start to go downhill, and the other thing about 15 is if you don't hit a good drive and you're forced to lay up and you're hitting that little 100-yard shot off a downslope, not an easy shot, no. not even for those guys. Anyway, and then you see that downhill, and you look at 15, and you can see 16 back there, and then if you walk further around the grandstand, there's the 16th green and everything that you've seen. It is a little bit surreal. I might take it for granted having been to a bunch of them, but that's a spot like walking to, you know, the 12th hole and seeing the 16th hole and seeing them in person. I mean, it's, it's definitely something where people's jaws kind of drop. And, um, yeah, no, I think that's why the place is just so special because, you know, we've seen it, you know, it's the only major that's played on the same course every year. You know, TV coverage has always been the best throughout the course of time. And when you see it in person, it's incredible. But just the just the amount of space you have to watch this, it's not like you are huddled up with a million people, nuts to butts. It's like Nottingham Forest in between these holes. So you have time and space and, and, and eye lines to actually visualize this stuff. The rule at Augusta is if you put your chair down, you can leave it. It's just like if it's, it'll be there you know, all day. So people just race, put their chair down, go mingle, and they have their front row spot all day. And yep. then, uh, and that, and that's just what makes it amazing. Uh, 17 going backwards. Now you're going towards the clubhouse. It's, uh, you know, famous hole, obviously that, especially that Jack made and is running 86. Uh, nothing really too remarkable about this hole, kind of a treacherous green, but um, what do you have to say? I mean, I think that hole took a big hit when they lost the Eisenhower tree. Mm -hmm. Um, Struck by lightning going back, I don't know, 10 years ago maybe. Um, That made that tee shot a lot more difficult. Um, Now it's a pretty easy shot with a pretty open fairway. Um, You know, again, long, dead, real runoff. You don't get to see on TV. You get back there, it's a tough up and down. but, you know, look, this hole, I've always, since 1990, I've hated this hole. Dad three-putted it to fall back into a tie with Faldo, ultimately losing in a playoff. Um, so I just personally, I hate the hole. Just because of that, I have sour memories. Not, not, not the way it's designed or anything like that, just from personal experience. It's a great hole, great green complex. Uh, but these guys, you know, nothing tricky to the tee shot, dead straight. Um Tricky green, not that tricky, but seems to give these guys, pro- you know, some problems for sure. Um, you know, that Sunday pins back there on the top right. It's a little shelf, um, you know, tough to get there. Tough to make a birdie there, but not tough to make a par. And then finally, 18, um, what you, there, there is, it's kind of a narrow shoot on 18, um, but. Kind it looks like a two-lane highway, dude. <laughs> it's uh, and all of the there's so much space in between the hole and ten on eighteen, all the trees uh, to the right. It's kind of where you walk through. It's just it's just so fascinating to go through that through that area, and, and then you have these. You know, that's what they they talk about. These two just floating greens in the middle of this course, nine and eighteen. 
uh, where all these yep. spectators, all these spectators just line up and, and there, and, and so, and, and there it goes. And then there's such, there's enough elevation, like a, like a bowl around the green that you never really have a bad shot an eye line. It could be, you know, 40, 40 rows deep and you can still see everything going on. And then that's the experience. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Ray. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, have a great night. Yep. Thanks, pal. Hello. All right. It's Masters Week. And all I care, all I hope, is that everyone stays online through this segment and their internet doesn't crash. That goes for the Florida Internet Systems and the Rhode Island Internet Operation, or Rio. So far, so good. It feels like we just did this whole thing in November, but it was actually just five minutes ago. That's correct. So the Masters this week, here's the thing. It's completely different from where it was in November in that the course, as Fred Couple says this week, is as firm and fast and as difficult as I've seen in years. 2018, a good example. Dry conditions, firm and fast. Reed was the winner. This is a ball-striking course. It's a second-shot course, but it's also a recovery course in terms of your short game. you got to have it all, and you got to be able to score on par fives. If you go through the course, which I did earlier with Ray Floyd Jr., one tough hole, maybe the toughest on the course. Two, three, some reprieve. You can score them. Four, five, six, seven. Five, five just to walk the hole, you might as well give up on life. Eight, the toughest par five. Nine, 10, 11, 12. Good luck. And then 13 through 18, that's where you make your hay. But you got to score. You got to score in the par fives. It's a wide expanse off the tee. It's a second shot course. It is. It is. There is no flat lies anywhere. It's all eleva. It's all elevation everywhere. It's a mountain, Ryan. You've been there, 2019 with Tiger. It's the toughest course over four days that these guys will ever play on, in terms of stamina, legs. That's why I worry about Brooks, even though I love Brooks. But this course, I hope it doesn't rain. I hope it stays firm and fast. I hope it, it, I hope it presents the challenges that Augusta should bring. And here we are. And so, Josh, I will throw it to you in terms of your strategy briefly this week and how you approach a 89-player field. 88 minus Angel Cabrera, who's currently in an Argentinian prison. What a great story that was. Is it? No, I don't mean great for him, uh, but it was funny for the 15 minutes of Twitter that you put yeah. it DK was kind of funny. They just kind of buried that. But he's in a prison right now for trying to run over his wife and girlfriend. I'm surprised that show – was that from the, the DraftKings player yes! page? It seems like a yes. weird thing that they would have included. I think they pull those from uh, Roto World. And, yes. and the people who write over there, they always like to have fun with their little blurbs. So. Angel's made nine of nine cuts, but don't expect him to show up this week because he's in an Argentinian prison. <laughs> we used to play that guy here because he made every cut. You know, What do they call him, the duck? What was his name? Yeah, El Pato, the duck. El Pato. Everyone's on Twitter saying, oh, I miss El Pato. Do you? Do you really? 
No, they have Freddie. He tried to now. murder two people. So, what's your strategy this week, Josh? What's your so summarizing? I, I think so. For the purpose of strategy talk here, we are focusing on the large what four hundred fifty thousand entrant contest. Yes, a million. Let's to focus first. on that. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Um. So let's see. I, I, I think that you are going to have um, your major decision points are going to be what to do with Spieth, Casey, and and um, Corey Connors. Um, I will be making a rule for context. Twenty five percent owned. Twenty five percent owned. Twenty percent owned. Right. Um, as I, I think we'll, on the first iteration of this pod, I think I was describing how I'm less concerned with Casey because of the, there's the relative ownership to people around him and there are other good options. So for example, if I'm choosing between Casey and Bubba, well, it's like a two to one in terms of, um, of ownership and, but and you know obviously Bubba is capable of winning, so it doesn't feel like as big of a leap to move off Casey to Bubba. But Connors, I mean, when you're deciding do I want to play Corey Connors, it's Connors or I don't know, you know, Bezgoat or Dylan Fratelli or Cockrack, Cockrack. <laughs> <laughs> you you got to leave so, it at Cockrack. <laughs> so basically, you know. At that point, or even a, a better example would be Lowry. I mean, Lowry could have a tenth the ownership. So you're, you're making a really – to decide to play Connors over Lowry in that instance, you, you're deciding I have a really firm belief that Connors is the play where it, it's a less of a decision when you know relative ownerships when something like Casey versus Bubba. Um, but, yeah, so I will be setting a max one rule for for those three players. So I will still be able to have all of them. Um, but I just I don't want to have them appearing in the same lineup. And if they do and they end up having multiple of those in the lineup, well then I'm just not gonna win the millionaire maker this week and I probably wasn't anyway. But at least I gave myself more of a path to getting there than by uh grouping them all together. Ryan, what do you think about max salary here? Or 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 Leaving some on the table. <laughs> Your favorite tactic. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't mind it. You know, I uh, so I will not be max entering this. But if I were, um, yeah, I think I would probably not necessarily leave a ton of salary on the table. But of course, try not to max salary because most people do. Um, the, the the thousands and thousands of people who play this who put in one team or two teams, they're going to max their salary. So you at least want to be different from them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think ownership, uh, like Slip said, those specific spots are going to make the week. And I mean, I'll throw one more in there. I'll throw Bryson in there uh, because I think, I mean, all these guys at the top are really, really close. They're close in price. They're close in odds. They're close in talent. You know, when you're trying to parse between a Bryson and a JT and a Rory, at the end of the day, they're all pretty similar. Uh, I do think Bryson is going to be the highest owned up there. So I think that's another spot where you can get different. Um, do you and really? It's, I, at what it's price interesting point? you say that. I, what ownership like, do you think? Of the 10,000 10, and over, he's going to be the highest owned? I think so. Yeah. Wow. I, do I not. don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. see how it's, J, it's JT. All the why way. isn't it JT? At, it should be JT. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes. You know, I just think, yeah, I think people are talking a lot about Bryson. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see how that shakes out. I think at the end of the day, you know, those other three spots that you mentioned, I'm with you on Casey. I think there are a lot of other really good plays there, which we'll talk about. I, I mean, I could name six probably uh, kind of right around him who I think probably project pretty similarly. Uh, and I also, you know, I'm with you on, on Corey Connors. You know, that guy is, is, is arguably a top 20, 25 player in the world right now. Um, and there's nobody there that's close to him. He is far and away the best value on the board. But is he five mm-hmm. times as likely to outscore Shane Lowry or Molinari or Kevin Na or For any sure. of those guys? No, probably not. Yeah. So uh, I think, yeah, I think you have to be very careful um, with Spieth, Connors, and Casey for sure. So success at the Masters, I, I talked earlier about with, with Ray Floyd Jr. on a recorded, on a re-record from, from November, hole by hole. But what, what's, what's important about the success of the Masters is, and what Tiger said in 2020, and I can't remember if I said this on this podcast yet because this is like the ninth recording we've done, but I'll say it anyway again, is that it's about how you play the course. It's knowing where to miss. It is, it is knowing when to play the green and not the flagstick. It is largely conservative golf. And what Tiger is not known for, largely, is that he's a pretty conservative golfer. Uh, so is Rory. Um, you, you have to understand the winds at certain places at the golf, at the, at, 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 around the course, like number 12, swirling winds. Uh, Danny Willett talked about he wished – Number 12 was longer because then you could hit a longer club, wouldn't have to hit it so high, wouldn't have too much spin and ball flight and, you know, kick it back into Ray's Creek because that's a killer. I mean, number 12 is a killer. Look at Molinari in 2019. He had it in the bag. Um, Both those guys hitting the water and Tiger was smiling on the green. And so experience is the factor here in knowing how to get around this course successfully. Um because you look at the variance between game styles like uh, Bernard Longer and DJ even last year. Well, how do those two guys, how do those two guys win here? How does Mike Weir win here? How does Zach Johnson win here? And then how does, you know, a bomber like Bubba Watson win here or DJ? It's just shot making. It's clever shot making. It's bold shot making. Look at Cam Smith. I don't know if you guys remember this, but Cam Smith last year, round four, hole nine, uh, he was in the pine straw under the trees, and I think he made birdie from there. Mm-hmm. Complete, complete, um, absolute, all guts, shot maker, creative, uh, creative thinker like Bubba. Just naturally, you know, just a gifted shot maker. And the other part was of of this week is that to help eliminate some of the players you may not want to play. I mean, this is for maybe betting purposes, not guys who may top 20, but the, the most of the winners this century fit this criteria, three, three, three criteria, one previous masters, top 10 two, no missed cuts in their last four starts, three win and or two top tens in their previous nine starts for 2021. That includes nine players. DJ, Spieth, Rom, Berger, M, Casey, Palmer, Connors, Fitz, Fitzpatrick. I put Casey twice, so that's <laughs> 10 players. It's a great list. Right. That's it. 
Notably abs- absent is Justin Thomas. So let's look at let's look at the board now in terms of players we like at the different ranges in pricing on DraftKings. Ten and up. Ten and up. Uh, you've got Xander, DeShambo, Bryson, DJ, Rom, Thomas, Rory. Josh. Are you keeping Bryson is the question? Are you keeping Xander? What do you do with Rory? So, um, let's see. I disagree with Ryan that Bryson is going to be the highest. I will be playing Bryson. And I I like Rory for a ownership from an ownership perspective. I can't really find, I mean, obviously course history is there for him. You're not going to find a lot of other reasons to play him other than his, his entire body of work and his course history. But then when I think you layer it on the price and the ownership, there can be a compelling case for him. Um, But so, you know, again, most of what I'm doing on this for this week, I, I think so much of it is roster construction and ownership. And so, um, because I don't know the, the I, I, well, I guess I said this in the first night, I'm having trouble limiting my pool this week, more so than any other weeks. There are so many people I want to play. Um, so I'm letting, I'm letting that drive it. Most of it. I, I don't feel, I'm not feeling wrong. Um, but I want to hear your. I want to hear what you two gentlemen have to say about Rom. I just. I don't know. I don't. It's. I think the kid narrative, even though people say, "Well, his mind's gonna be distracted. He's gonna be a good spot with it." I don't. I. I take the opposite stance, knowing having had children before, like you guys have have had. I mean, considering that what he had his baby a few days ago. Hmm. I'm I'm not a like Rom and Xander Shoffley and Bryson are three guys I generally just cannot play successfully and I just when you have DJ JT and Rory I'll always take those three over those others every day of the week so I I'm not sure I can eliminate Rom yet I probably could I did eliminate Bryson and Xander in that in that I think that this is a this is a much more sh- if it's going to be firm and fast shot making great hands great wedge play course at that price i think the winner's going to come out of that range and i think to me i mean rory's rory's record here is impeccable high draw hitter plays a very firm and fast course very well and the spotlight is not on rory which is the big thing Remember a few years ago, it was Rory's going to win, and much like the the Open Championship, he was plus eight through two holes. I think it's different this year, and he's ten two. To me, it's Rory, JT, and DJ. I think it's between DJ and JT to win this week. The DJ is going to be hopefully under the radar for him, which is completely surprising but they're going to try to jam in other players and DJ's not going to make it affordable, I assume. But I can make I am eliminating Bryson, 
and Xander and probably Rom right now. I'm, I'm, I think we're somewhat aligned other than the Bryson take, but I'm also not, I don't really feel Xander as much. Um, it's for the reasons you just, you just said, I'd rather just, I mean, if I can have for 600 more or 200 more, I can have JT or Rory. I would just do yes. that. Um, and I'm not also seeing, I'm not seeing an ownership discount on Xander. Either. No, because there are, there's, there's a Xander cult. I mean, there's just- right. I mean, if you're telling me I can play Xander at, I can play Rory for 200 more at less ownership. Yeah. I'll take that <laughs> every day of the week. Xander is Harris English plus go ahead, Ryan. Yeah. I mean, pretty similar. I think, I mean, I, I feel like I say this every week, you know, all these, guys are pretty similar, right? Uh, skill set, strokes gain, they're all pretty good off the tee. They're all pretty good iron players. But at the end of the day, I think what you need at this golf course is the best iron player and the best short game. And I think when I look at the top here, I mean, obviously when you talk about strokes gain approach, Justin Thomas stands out above all of the rest of these. He's gotten better every single time he's played this golf course. Uh, I believe yes. he's number one here over the last handful of years and Strosky and approach number one greens and regulation makes obviously a ton of birdies. So yeah, he's clearly my number one here uh, as he is every week. And uh, I, I agree with you with number two. Uh, I think DJ is going to go a little bit overlooked, possibly the price point, possibly the fact that his last two starts weren't very good. But what do we know about DJ is he plays like shit in the state of Florida. He always has, except that uh, Doral, which they don't play anymore, uh, because those golf courses just don't suit him very well. So I don't really care that he wasn't great at concession. I don't really care that he wasn't great at sawgrass. Like, he's the best player at this golf course. He's the best player in this field. Um, yeah, so those are my top two. Uh, I am out on Xander. I am out on uh, Bryson, mostly because I think he's going to be very popular. But um, I just don't think he has the short game here. He has putted atrociously here in his career. Um, Rom, I'm with you, Wiley. I think it's nothing but positives for him. The fact that that is not on his mind anymore, right? His baby is here. His wife is healthy. They're probably going home soon. I think that's off of his mind versus if he was here kind of waiting for his phone to ring. Um, now mm-hmm. he's, he's probably not super sharp. I assume he hasn't been practicing too much. Um, but yes, I think it's a positive thing for him. Um, so in the nines, in the not, and by the way, I, I will reiterate that I believe that the winner comes out of that range. I, it, it's you know, it's not too bold of a take to say that DJ or JT is going to win. I do believe I can see JT putting on the jacket. I just think it's his time. In the nines, in the nines, there's a there's a lot going on here. Namely, Jordan Spieth at twenty five to what thirty percent probably ownership. Mm-hmm. And and as Saul says, good chalk. Uh, Speed's been playing well since the waste management. He won last week. Um, like you said, Ryan, earlier, if the pricing came out after last week, he'd probably be in the JT range. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you get a pretty good discount on his pricing because, you know, he was nearly 100th in the world. Yeah, I mean, he's at least a thousand dollars cheaper than he should be. Uh, totally. So, so in in this range, I'm I, personally I'm eliminating um, 
Morikawa. I just don't think he's enough chops here yet. Uh, I don't think he is good enough of a putter or as good enough a short. I know he's a great iron player in TD Green, but I just don't think that he's got the other stuff yet to for me to four nine six. Mm-hmm. Uh, Finau, I might have to just say goodbye <laughs> to him. It's time. I can't lay. I can't lay. I like. Um, albeit, you know, in that in that in that elimination where you have you can't have a miscut in four last four starts. Mm-hmm. Cantlay hasn't been super sharp. Reed nine three, I think, is a huge steal. The biggest question mark, and I want to ask you guys, is Brooks Kepka because Brooks Kepka in majors last since what twenty seventeen is eighty three under par, which is fifty shots better than than the next best person, I think, in Dustin Johnson. And I think Brooks Kepka sub six percent ownership potentially, at least a sub ten. When he's that good in majors with the knee lingering issue, yeah, that's the biggest struggle I have this week. He's Run. certainly, yeah, he, he he's, he's certainly not going to be sub six, but he could be sub ten. Um, I think there's a, I think there's enough casual people who don't even know that he was hurt that are going to just play him at that price. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I he wouldn't he probably wouldn't be here if he weren't a hundred percent. But as you said, you know, we've been here, we've walked the golf course. It's 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 difficult. Uh, I don't care how much practice he puts in, I guarantee you, he's not walking this golf course four days in a row for practice. Um, right? Because if you if you if you're if you if you're a right-handed shot and his knee problems on the right knee, mm-hmm. then uphill lies. Any lie, uphill, side hill, right? I mean, but look at number nine. Yeah. Like he look could, at look at eighteen. He, he could tweak his knee on any shot. He hits one drive into the pine straw and slips the wrong way, right? Like, yeah. Right. So I think all said and done, I'm probably just not going to have him if he burns me. He burns me. Um, yeah. I think the name that definitely stands out here is Patrick Cantlay, just in terms of what the I guess long term model likes best. Um, and he has a great short game as well. He has obviously played well here, almost won um, in uh, 2019. He was right there with Tiger, and then he made a couple of bogeys late. He stands out a lot. Um, I think one thing you mentioned earlier was the 2018 Masters, right? I think the conditions were a little bit tougher. It was firmer. It was a little windy. I, I think we're going to see more of that. And what you saw there at the top was Reed Fowler and Spieth. And what's the one thing the three of them have in common? They have tremendous short games. And I think that is really going to shine this week. So, I mean, obviously, Spieth is the play. He's the lock. You have to make a decision there. Uh, but I think Cantlay would be my number two in this range. Josh. Um, also, I'm, I won't have any Morikawa. Yeah. Um, for reason you stated, I it just, he does. I don't think the short game is there. Um, Cantlay is a guy who I can never really get right. I never, I, I have, you know, some people you just have too much bias against to make a reasonable decision. Um, he's one of them for me. So I probably will just, uh, split the baby and go with the field because I don't know what the right move is. Um, I also am, you know, I'm so focused on getting a low owned gem that's I think that's important for something like this. And 
all it, it would appear that Kepka is that person, but for the reasons that you two just stated, I think there's just there's way too much risk there, and it in I don't know I think just I don't know there, there's it's not just the risk because you, you need to take on risk to try to be hundred four hundred fifty thousand people, but I I don't want to play him just because he's low owned, and I think that would be the only reason I'm doing it because. I can't imagine that he's ready to play this course. Um, so what, and we haven't mentioned Webb Simpson, by the way. Yeah, that was a, a pretty brutal miscut yeah. he gave us a few weeks back. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Webb seems to have figured this course out recently. He's just another guy who, I mean, the last handful of years here, he's just he's just been there. He's played really well. Um I think the conditions he's will an elite suit. iron player, and he's a, he is one of the best in the world around the green. He's a, I, to me, he's the best bunker player in the world. Yeah, I mean, the, I think the firm and fast conditions will certainly suit him for sure. Um, but if, yeah, I mean, if you need to make 25 birdies this week, I don't know if you will. He's probably not that guy. Uh, but I could definitely see him just kind of being there in a, you know, eighth place or sixth place come Sunday. So, isn't this an opportunity that we can finally get Finau at low ownership? I don't know. People always play him. I will. I will. I will. I will defend Finau in that he plays. He plays exceptionally well in majors, and he's done pretty well here. His his performance last week. I'm not sure it's an indicator of things to come. Was really bad. Um. And his what's his ownership projected to be probably pretty high because it's fee now and his price is low, fourteen percent. Well, I, I, what I, yeah, I'm looking at him and seeing, but less than Webb. I mean, just those two players. You pick one or the other. Who are you? Right, pick? you're right because typically you think twenty five percent Tony at nine point one, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's close, um, but I'm taking Webb between the two of them. I'm taking Brooks. Uh, <laughs> so we jumped down to to the eights, and I eliminated a lot of guys here. Same. I I can't. So if you're looking at November <laughs> performance, completely different course. I'm out on M. I'm out on Hovland. I'm out on 17% Hovland. Perhaps my first cut of the cut of this entire board. Um, Scheffler, I can never get right ever. Scheffler, he drives me insane. I'm just out on him. Berger at 20% nearly, even though that he may perform well, that's just too much. But then you've got, then you've got Lee Westwood, right? And so post his Florida stretch, he thought that, oh my God, Lee Westwood, He's got 100 top 10s at Augusta. I just watched his entire performance from 2010 when he nearly beat Phil. He's 7.1% projected ownership, albeit his price is high. But it's still it's still a guy with experience. He's still a great iron player, and he's playing the best golf of his career. Plus, his son is on the bag. And then you get, you know, you get Camp Smith, super ownership, Rightfully so. Hideki, there's always the truthers of Hideki. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, I like. I love his caddy. 
uh, who was actually Lee Westwood's caddy in 2010 when he nearly beat Phil. What are we doing in the eights? I think I think Lee Westwood, in my opinion, is going to be on the winning team. Wow, I know it's bold. Yeah, it it's funny. He's he's like sixteen or seventeen hundred bucks more than he was here back in November. So it's been a lot to change since then. Um, yeah, I mean, I think just kind of looking at it, you know, he's he's clearly the most overpriced in this range. But then again, you know, maybe not. He had a couple of really really good weeks in Florida back to back. I think in terms of a pure kind of low-owned and very high upside play, I think Hatton is right in this range where people are just not going to go. because I will not go there. Yeah, I mean, look, everyone's going to grab a stud and then Spieth. That's going to kind of be the build. And and then really, if you do that, if it's Rory or JT with Spieth, you're dropping down to the 8K or like mid-7. So I think Hatton makes a lot of sense for a contrarian play. But in terms of who I actually like here – uh, it's basically the three guys at the bottom. It's Fitz Smith and maybe a little Hideki. Um, mm-hmm. but I mean, I think I'll even flip that. It's probably, it's probably cam number one Fitz number two mm-hmm. for me here. I'm surprised Hideki I, at eight, three is still going to be highly owned, but he's, he still has his fan club. You are the if fan was, club. I am the fan yeah. club. Yeah. I mean, any like, a flash of form that the Hideki stands see. I mean, they just latch onto it. You know, he's opening 67 so, last week and gone, <laughs> right? I just wish he was what, sub-10. So, what, yeah, I think, I don't know. Was Did did we see enough out of Matt's in the last week? I mean, he finished Day last one, week. yes, no, and then yeah, classic meltdown. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we got to break 70 the last three rounds. I mean, if he's, you know... His form, or not his form, right? His his course history here is not that great. No, it's not. I, because first of all, when when you say oh made cuts, well that doesn't matter at the Masters. Everyone makes the cut. Um, and then when you say oh well he's got a bunch of top fifteens, well for most of those times he was like a top ten player. So he was he was actually underperforming he, where he was relative to the field, right? So, like, if you just step away and you go, oh, look at this. Look at Matsuyama. He has uh, a T13, T32, a 19, an 11, and a T7. And you go, that's pretty good. Well, considering what the caliber of player he was at that time, that really wasn't good. So um, I'm probably out on Mats. As you know, I, I razzle-dazzled my eye all in on him last week. That didn't work out. So <laughs> If I, he was 6% owned, it would be a different conversation, but he's still going to be 15% yeah, owned. Yeah. I'm out. I mean, I'm Scheffler's a tough one for me, but I'm most likely out. Um, Hovland, I'm I'm out. I, I think I'm gonna have zero Hovland, like I'm having zero Morikawa, and I'm having zero Wolf. So those three, you know, up and comers, I'm none. My first three click um, X's were those three guys, right? So Hatton, I understand the contrarian part about it, and like, will I have five percent just because I need to have for roster construction low owned players? Certainly, but I don't like Hatton, and I don't like Westwood, but I probably will have for the same reason. M is a tough one for me. I, I don't know. I, part of me wants to disregard the November results and say, well, I don't really like him here. But then I, you know, well, he did well in November, and then I was looking into his 
short game on firm and fast and, you know, putting it around the green. And he's actually good. He did win the Honda, right? I mean, so can't get much firmer starting and fast to say, than that. Right. So it's starting to say, well, maybe he does have the the makeup for what we want in a player here. I think historically he does a little bit, but I mean, just look back at the last few months, how I mean, the iron play has left him. It's been strange. So I think that's the piece for me that's missing from him. And I also think him is, I guess maybe he's appropriately priced, but he also seems a little bit overpriced here. And overowned. Yeah. I think fits, I think fits because of the, the black hole of Cameron Smith is the one to look at. And and Tommy Fleetwood sub ten, but but Matt Fitzpatrick with this with the caddy, uh, with how well he's been playing, and how well he plays in on tough courses, and here, Billy Foster. I mean, come on, he could win. I mean, Matt so, Matt Fitzpatrick could win this week. Get the no, <laughs> he could. Let's do it. So, Wot, Tommy Wotwood, are we on him? Like, no, to, no. I just Tommy. <laughs> if it's firm and fast, he doesn't have just it. Don't, no, he, just, he doesn't have it. He just hasn't no. looked. He, he hasn't Even looked though it's contrarian all. and he's low, he's a good price. He's good ownership. I'd much rather dip into like a couple more percent owned Sergio, which I'm surprised by his projected ownership. If we're going to the sevens. Uh, then you've got your, your honey hole here between Sergio, Bubba, Casey, Scott. I, in the sevens, I think the two guys at seven, five are going to round up most of my lineups at Louie and, and Jason day. I have in my notes to always play Louie at the masters. Uh, it is a ball striking course. Even though he withdrew a few weeks back, he's fine. And Jason Day, was it the players where he gained a trillion strokes? Tita Green, who just could not make nine-foot putts. He should have won by 20. Yeah, I mean, that's been his trend most of this year, which is, you know, it's obviously strange for him because he's such a good putter. Jason Day, high ball hitter, high draw. Uh, decent irons, very good driver of the ball, perhaps the best around the green in the field. Yeah. At 7.5 and pretty good ownership. Uh, you know, if like uh, Paul Casey's just going to be, he is the truck menace. He, he's going to explode us all through ownership of that guy. I, I like I like Jason Day a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'll say, I mean, you can almost say with certainty that one of these guys from Garcia down to Usaisen is going to be on the winning team in most, if not all, contests. I just think there's way too much value here. I mean, it could be Sergio or Bubba or Casey or Scott or Day or Usa. I mean, there's just like all of them are just yeah. in play. So, um, yeah. I think this is going to be a focus point. Um, and like when I ran kind of long courses, firm and tough conditions, the guy who kept coming out on top was Bubba. Uh, and unfortunately yes. he's the guy who's in the worst form of all of these and is historically overowned here, but really any Bubba course. So 
I think that gives me pause. Um, but I can say with certainty, my favorite play here is Sergio. I do think he's going to be popular. Mm-hmm. His ball striking has been off the charts. Uh, all of 2021, if he could putt, he would have won twice. Um, but I mean, you look at the sheer number of birdies he's making and the number of, of, of eagles he's making too. Um, and that's, you know, long irons, that's fairway woods. And I mean, that is going to serve him very well here this week. Hmm. Josh. Um, I, yeah, love this range. Um, I will play Bubba because I always do sucker for Bubba. Casey just just rates out too well. I mean, can't do. I deleted him. I added him back. I got to tell Saul. No, I think you could just. I think you just need to be smart about how you play him, and you just um, don't double chalk. And um, I mean, there. It's just the collection of the most infuriating players on the face of the planet, right? Yes. I mean, who who drives people yeah. more crazy than Garcia, Watson, Casey, Scott, Day, Usti? Yeah. That's it. That's like the whole <laughs> Oh, range. wait. Go a little um, lower. Rose. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that's, I thought, yeah, that's yeah, the that's important common. one. Yeah. So I don't, I, I don't know. Neiman, I don't know why uh, he's getting, he's so popular. I'm not, I'd rather play the guys yes. above him. Um, Zalatoris is the guy who I have some interest no. in. Um, 12%? I, no. First time? No, nah, I mean, it's, not, it's a tough chalk play. But, you know, the the first-timer narrative, Matt, is first-timers don't win. It's not that first-timers don't come top 15, which is, you know. So I'm not picking him to win. I don't know. Do I? But he scores. He, he fits He fits the mold, right? He, but, the, but the ownership's a problem. But, though, I'm not going to play Harris English because if I had to pick between playing, you know, I'm going to have to decide one of these guys at 7,100. Well, actually, that's not true. I'm playing Max Homa. I like Max. Um, Max Homa, just I, you know, I, I I see that he's projected at ten percent. I just I don't believe it. I'll take the under on that. Way um, under. I don't think enough casuals even know who the hell he is. But if you look at the if you look at uh, the cross from Riviera winners and successful players at Riviera to the Masters, right. Firm, fast, narrow, tight lines, good driving. Um, and Max Homa, like we've talked about, he's just he's just a ga- he's like Cam Smith to me. He's just a gamer. Um, um, he doesn't have the short game. But so, but let's talk about Rose. Okay, let's talk about Rose. This is because okay, I, Rose and Kepka are the two biggest question marks for me. Because Rose's history here is so good. He's at a point in his career where he completely just wants to win majors, particularly a green jacket. And you think that all these withdraws and miscuts isn't a giant razzle-dazzle just to get ready for Augusta. And now he's 7.2 and less than 5% projected ownership he won Ryan a quarter million dollars in November. <laughs> and this is, is that the this winner is, for us? This is the type of analysis that you won't find from looking at stats or or something like that, or owners like 
It's that if you think you're like on Sunday night, you're looking at who, what lucky guy won for a million dollars and beat 450,000 yep. people. And they go, Oh, how the hell they play? They got, they have 2% rows who came in 15th. Right. Like, yep. They, that like that's the type of play you'd be like, man, that's 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 like a it just feels like a play that can win you. I'll do dollars. one better, but those two guys down there, Lowry and Rose, at, at this probably the same sub five percent ownership, are one of those two guys is going to be on the on the winning roster with Lee Westwood. You know, and then and then playing a something like when you when you play a something like Rose, well, now you've given yourself an opportunity to play some of the chalk that we really like, because yes. I don't know. I don't, I mean, and, and I don't even think the analysis has to be how often does Rose win or top five? That doesn't matter. It's how often does Rose beat Casey, Bubba, Scott, and Usti? Or how does he beat like, Connors? It's 18%. Well, fine. Even that one, but that's even like, if, if, I mean, Let's put it this way. Rose beats Casey Scott Day Usti way more than the ownership would suggest and and salaries yes. would suggest. Right. Yeah, I would sell Ryan and Rose for sure. Yeah. Look, and I mean he he obviously hasn't been great, but he also hasn't been that bad, right? He almost won in Saudi Arabia, lost uh he lost to DJ, so I guess that's fine. Uh, <laughs> cause again, he doesn't have to win for 7,200 anyways, but yeah, I mean, when he withdrew at, at the API, he wasn't playing bad, right? He was in one of the last groups on Saturday playing with Spieth and he hurt his back and just got pissed off watching Spieth make hole in ones and, you know, just walked off. Um, but yeah, I think he's absolutely fine. I think he'll be under five or 6% owned. He is very clearly the best caliber of player in this range. Um, I mean, he's there with Wolf and Horschel and Homa and Molinari. Like, I think it's a no-brainer. Uh, I will definitely play Justin Rose. Um, yeah, it. I think, like you said, Slep, it, it's the kind of play that can win you a lot of money. And Sugar Shane Lowry, I will add that for uh, posterity on this podcast. Always. Is there? Can you? Because I I like the thought, but can you sell me on okay, a little Sh- more? Shane Lowry is one of the best one of the better iron players on the planet. And in terms of his hands and short game and putting, uh, you know, open major winner as well. You're not going to get better than Shane Lowry creative shot maker. Um, Now, does he have the length? Does he have the, you know, physical endurance and stamina and those credentials to last four days at Augusta? No. But at seven K Shane Lowry, I mean he's he he makes uh, what was it was it the uh, Honda recently? Yeah, he played with the Honda, but the players he was right there. He too. just makes every fucking putt. He just so I, I mean, I'm looking what I'm looking at here is that he's not great short game right. on firm fast. No. I'm wrong. <laughs> Ryan, I don't have the numbers up, but uh, I think you're both right. He's got a historically great short game. He has a great short game. I don't know what the sample size is on 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 the firm fast stuff, but my concern with Lowry is is he's not he's not going to make as many birdies as most guys. So you would need really tough conditions for four days 
you would need wind, you would need firm, you would need a score like minus 10, minus 11 winning this thing for him to kind of be in the top five, top 10. Um, and I just, I just think there are too many guys with more firepower who are going to make birdies and eagles. That's a good point. Like Corey Let's go Connors. to the sixes. <laughs> Corey Connor, six Corey nine. Connor just makes so own. many damn birdies. He does make a ton of fucking birdies. Um, you don't have to sell anyone on Corey Connors, but then you've got Matt Kuchar at six eight. If you look at history here at Augusta, what Matt, Matt, Matt Kuchar, you know, has been here forever. Uh, his form is like Spieth has been on this parabolic rise recently. He's talked about his game getting better. He's a guy that's going to going to most likely finish top twenty this week. Uh, his his short game is impeccable. He hits a ton of fairways. He knows his way around this course. He's been here forever, like I said. But if you want to dance around Corey Connors, you've got Kucher and Poulter right right beside him at sub five percent ownership, and both those guys. Great iron players, good on the green green players, and have a ton more experience than Corey Connors at five times the ownership. I don't have a lot in the sixes. I mean, it's like Wallace is probably my number one. I'm surprised by his projections. Um, he's got Gareth Lord as his, as his caddy. He played, you know, Wallace is great tee to green. He's got good hands. He is a proven winner, at least in the Euro Tour. He's got a lot of, a lot of moxie. Um, his caddies seem to calm him down a lot. At six point four, I'm really surprised by the price. I'm mostly surprised by the ownership. Wallace and Nah in this range. Wallace more so will be my probably highest own. Yeah. So I mean, I think there are a lot of plays here, um, and it depends, you know, what kind of build you want. Like we mentioned Corey Connors, but I mean, at that same price, I think Jason Kokrak just looks like a fantastic play. And I, I don't know Whoops. how owned he's going to be, but like, I mean, <laughs> maybe 6%. <laughs> I don't know. He's been really good. Um, I do think Kokrak. I do think, look, I think Kucher's going to be higher than we think. There's no way he's going to be under 5%. Um, yeah, I think Kokrak's a pretty, a pretty strong pivot off of Corey Connors. Obviously, with the upside, you know, it's a guy who can reach all the par fives and two who's going to make birdies. Um, uh, going down the list, so I think the two guys that I think rate out really well just in terms of kind of long-term skill would be Nah and Palmer, probably stand out. Uh, I think Palmer's going to be a little popular uh, relative to the guys around him, so probably won't play him. Uh, Wallace, he mentioned, I definitely don't mind. I think there's two really high upside play here, though. Um, one also won me a quarter million dollars last year and actually was the guy who did it, and that was Cam Champ. Because uh, he finished 20th and he scored like 100 DK points. But he has shown uh, that he can play this course well and that he can score. He made a quad and a triple last year also. Um, but he played okay at Valero, made the cut, made a bunch of birdies. But, and this is from my friend Tim Frank, because uh, he's been beating this drum for about a week and a half now. 
mean, Mickelson's going to be like 1% owned. Yes. He's 6,600. His ball striking has been fantastic. It was good at the players. It was good at Honda. It was good at Valero. He just made that nine on the last hole, which was a, you know, a flub chip. Um, obviously has the course history here, but like he's going to make the cut, right? Everyone makes the cut. He's going to get four rounds. Like Mickelson can top 20 here. He probably top, he could potentially top 10 here for 6,600. Josh. Well, Ryan stole all my guys. Well, I named everybody. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I had, I think nah is, I I think for a bet for like a top 20 bet, I think he offers a lot of value. I know we're talking about DraftKings, but um, nah is a guy I will play. Uh, He has upside. We know that Phil I'm on. I was on him last week, unfortunately. And so going to go back to that. Um, Siwoo Kim is a guy who interests me a lot. And then I did see that he got, um, he was in Coley's article. Um, but I, I just want to give my thoughts on Connors. I, I think you have to, and I just think you have to fade him. I agree. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, I mean, it, and it's not even, it's not even just the ownership thing. It's, it's what is the thing that is so difficult at the masters? It's incredibly difficult greens, right? Yep. And like Corey Connors, he could just take himself right out of this and you would not be surprised at all. Um, so it's not that we're just saying, Oh, it's a pure ownership play. You can't play him. It's, there is a really big, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm losing the word that I'm I saw his here, chipping and pitching at the players. And that was enough for me. To say you're out, out. Yeah, he. Yeah, short uh, game's definitely not good. His putting has improved. I will say that. I'm. I'm pretty sure he is. Yes. Strokes gain positive on the year in terms of putting, and obviously, you know, one of the best ball strikers. He's also very underrated off the tee. You know, he's obviously not the longest, but he's long enough. He is so accurate, right? Like he hits fairways every fairway. He's hitting ten or fifteen percent more fairways than most guys. Um, but so most guys here. I mean, it's not. Yeah, and the, I mean, being in the fairway isn't as important here. I mean, look at his last three events, and like, yes, they were great events. Arnold Palmer plus three point eight strokes gained putting. Players plus three point five strokes gained putting. Valero plus two point three strokes gained putting. If he does anything like that, he's going to be in the top five. He's going to be in the top three. Oh, oh God. <laughs> what a disaster! Uh- all right. So, so I also like Wallace yes. and um, are there like, are there any other people in here that we can, I can add into the player pool? I mean, oh, Bobby Mac, can, I, can we play Bobby Mac? No, no, you cannot play no. Bobby Mac right. here. All right. It's Fine. just um, um, not as a debutante. All right. Quickly. Who wins? You get one pick, Ryan. Justin Thomas. Josh. All together now. Is Josh okay? I think he's deep in thought. I, I want to make it a good one. I want okay. to make it a good one. <laughs> um, I am going to go... Jordan Spieth. Mm. 
just takes the most popular guy. Very good. Uh, yeah, touche. I'm feeling that too, just for the story. It's either DJ Justin or Jordan Spieth, one of those three. I'll just take DJ, so we have one of the three. There you go. Thanks, guys. Enjoyed it. I hope you have a good week. Chat soon. See ya. Bye.